Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. <laughs> By the way, we've been asking all day, should the first, uh, should the play-in round be considered the playoffs in the NBA? 888-ESPN-729-3776. You can also hit us up at the Twitter feed, at Key and J. So, guys, okay, let's listen to the Cowboys uh, uh, owner. His name is Jerry Jones. Hold on, in case hold on, you haven't hold heard on. Do you know it, what the Twitter Jay. feed is, Max? Yeah, and also, I was about to say, that's a new one. <laughs> what I say? What I you said, add Key and J. At Key, at and, Key Jay. and Jay. All right, he's yes, off the show. That's our new Twitter feed, Key. Key well, you're I, off the show? Uh, what do you need me for? No with us? What do you need me for? Yates already played all the sound I was going to throw, too. I, I think. <laughs> by the way, in 10 minutes. Key, and Yates. By the way, in, in 10 minutes, we got Brian Windhorst, who can help us complete this argument about is it a play-in or a playoff. See well, what I, I mean, know, Evan? Because he, you don't need me. He, Go ahead. Go ahead. Listen to this. Go. <laughs> Here, here's one of the problems that I have with you, Jay. You're not slick. You probably just text Brian Windhorst. What? And told him to take your side. I know what I this is. I would never do that, Joe. Me. I yeah, like it. Right. I would never do I that, I know Joe. you. I, I've seen you do it. Live, 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 live. It's a setup. You see it coming. Absolutely. But Absolutely. the Twitter feed is at Key J and Max. Yeah. At Key and J and Yates. Key J and Yates. Our new Twitter feed. Um, Jerry Jones, who's the owner of the Dallas Cowboys, in case you haven't heard about it, was at a press conference in which he was asked his plans for the draft, and the possibility of trading up. Listen to his answer. I would trade up uh, this draft uh, and just going in as much as you can say about it until you see what's there, who's on the other other line. But, uh, yeah, I would trade up to, uh, since we're down as low as we are in those first two or three rounds, if we had a chance to and somebody that we had really coveted was uh, sitting at the bottom, Frederick, we're sitting down there at the bottom, and we were able to trade up and get him. Key, and that's such a fine thing to do is trade up to get a guy. <laughs> I love it. Jerry Jones never really says anything profound, but it's the fact that it's Jerry Jones. You're like, <gasps> he said something. They would trade up if he saw somebody worth trading up for. You like his that, style? That, what a, what that's, 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 that's a news clip within itself. But, he, you know, he's slick as a can of oil, right? So all he's doing is he's setting – people up in the division to get spooked and try to figure out, I wonder what he's going up to get if in the first round he goes from 24 to the top 10, 5, somewhere in there. What is he looking at? Last year they grabbed Michael Parsons that the Giants, I believe, wanted to try to get a snippet on. So No, 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 Key, remember the Bears made a trade with the Giants and the Giants traded out of a position they could have taken Parsons to get extra draft picks this year, and and the, and that allowed the Cowboys to scoop Parsons. But I hear what you're is saying. That, is that what happened? Yeah, okay, yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah, but you 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 are leaving these early breadcrumbs on the floor so that these general managers and coaches and front office execs start to get spooked to think, okay, they did lose Randy Gregory. Okay, are they going up to get a defense? Are they, is Thibodeau somewhere hanging in the weeds that they want to grab him to make that defensive unit even stronger? Is there Sauce Gardner, who's number two on Mel Kuyper's big board as of yesterday? Uh, you know, are they going to go up somewhere and try and steal him in the five six range? Like, what would you do if you moved up? On? If you think, like, put yourself in Jerry Jones's position, right? Let's say you do decide to move up. What are you going to get, Keyshawn, for the for the for the Dallas Cowboys heading into next year? If I'm moving up, I'm going to get a difference maker. I'm going to get a difference maker on on the defensive side of the ball. I'm going to find me a shutdown corner. I'm probably going to find me a, a, a pass rusher 
to to strengthen that defense. If you think about Dan Quinn's defenses in Seattle, what did he have? He had booking corners with with Richard Sherman and and Browner. Although neither one of those guys was selected in the first round, they were forces to be reckoned with. Uh, Cam Chancellor. Uh, uh, so it doesn't uh, much Earl matter. Thomas. It sounds to me like what defensive position, as long as it's a difference maker. Is that what you're saying? I, I think so. I think that's what it is because you're not going up to get a left tackle in this year's draft, moving up from 24 to yeah. to climb all the way up somewhere, and you're not going to get a receiver. Yeah, Jameson Williams is there, but he's coming off an ACL. He can't help you to November when he gets back healthy. So you don't want – and you just got rid of Amari Cooper, although it's going to cost you less money on a rookie, but you don't know the medical yet. So you're not moving all the way up to get that situation. Garrett Wilson, are you moving to try to steal that one? Uh, why would you do that? You add more firepower to already potent offense. So I think it would be on the defensive side of the ball if – Jerry Jones was moving in the first round. Yeah, but Key, doesn't it make sense for him to be practical and probably not move and get something to address the offensive line? Doesn't that seem like the most reasonable move for Jerry Jones? And I get all the the uh, the star sprinkle dust that he sprays on things to make it give off the illusion like they would do something like that, but that just seems practical, doesn't it? Well, when you say move up to me, when you move up in the draft out of in the first round, because they could do it in the second round too. But when you move up in the first round, you don't move from 24 to 24 to like 20. Unless somebody's falling, 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 and you see it. If you're going to do it pre-draft, you're moving all the way up a la San Francisco because you already got your target in place and you know who you're getting ready to go get. Now, on draft night, Max, you you know as you see players fall around and move a little bit, you start picking up the phones and seeing if you could climb up and get to that spot where you think that particular player might land. Man, it, like at a certain point, and I know we're not going to look at Dak for a while. Dak's got a lot of runway, just got the bag. Everyone thinks he's a good quarterback. But at a certain point, Key, if they moved up and got a difference maker on the defensive end, they could, this is a deep uh, draft for offensive linemen. They could probably still find a competent offensive lineman a little later on. Like at a certain point, you got so much on that team. How many years do people, do Cowboys fans, have to wait before it pops? Because you know if it doesn't go right now, you're looking at McCarthy, Sean Payton has the job, right? And then if it doesn't go right, well, it's Sean Payton's first year and there was some turnover. Dak probably got another two, three years before we start going, hold on a second. No, you know, man, Dak is there for at least another at least six, seven. No years doubt. What I'm saying start. is, until people start like the game. Well, they gonna of, do that. They gonna do no. They gonna do that in September. Mm-hmm. You think so? Because to me, it looks like Absolutely. that really hasn't that, been under scrutiny yet. You started that conversation last September. But so now, why wouldn't that well, conversation? Trying, trying no, to you started it last September. Meaning that 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 conversation already started as soon as he signed. It was like, oh, well, you know, man, he needs to do this. You know, and now in this September coming up, Jay, they're going to do the same thing. Yeah, but Max, it doesn't feel like it caught it caught the national hot spigot like it should have. You know what I mean? Yep. It, it, awesome. Well, because well, 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 my thing is, like, think about it. Jerry Jones <laughs> says, we might move, uh, yeah, we'll move up for the right player. Boom, it becomes this big story. And I'm looking at Dak Prescott saying, you gave this dude the bag. Like, how long before it starts to become the story about the Cowboys instead of all these ancillary ones? Curious to me that... Like, Jared Goff got the bag, and I'm like, mm, I don't know, and then it didn't work out. They wish they could redo that one. Carson Wentz got the bag, same thing. Same draft class as Dak. 
Dak finally gets the bag, and everyone's like, good for Dak because we actually believe he's good. But I start hearing things like, even from you, Key, like, Dak is not the kind of quarterback you want him to drop back 50 times, right? You want, they, they need to run. They have their best success when they're running the ball more. I start to hear, and I, I get it, like same thing with Stafford in a way, and he's got a lot of talent, and they won, he won the Super Bowl. But I start thinking, okay, wait, he's not that kind of quarterback apparently. And now the Cowboys still don't advance, and at a certain point the, the, the focus is going to be on Dak. I'm just saying, Key, it seems to me that won't be for a while because there are too many other places to point you know, before you get there, but eventually yeah, it's yeah. going to get and that, there. And, that, and that's fair to Dak. If you if you go back and you listen to Lewis Riddick, who was on with us earlier, he talked about you can you don't everybody doesn't have to have Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes to go and win the Super Bowl. Yeah. You you just don't, and and it's been proven time and time again that you don't have to have a guy that can drop back fifty times and throw the football. And I think Dak Prescott is a playmaker, has the ability to make plays, has shown us he has the ability to make plays and bring teams from behind and all of those sort of things. And I think he will catch major heat, you know, five years from now if they're not making any noise because if they don't get to where they want to this year, it's going to be a new coach in there which resets the clock for him. Yeah, but what made me think of it is when you're like, maybe he want, if, Joe, if Jerry Jones does want to move up, maybe it's Sauce Gardner. But, but your point that – whether it's a defensive lineman or a corner or whatever, an, a high-impact defensive player on a defense that already has Micah Parsons, on an offense that you said has still got C.D. Lamb and some receivers and Dak and running backs, and the offensive line's not great anymore, but it's not bad. Like, at a certain point, boy, you got a whole lot of – you got to go on a run. You got to go on a run. Keyshawn J. Willemax presented by Progressive Insurance. I watched Kyrie since St. Patrick's High School in New Jersey. The game hasn't seen what his package is. Part-time, a quarter of the time, it's the time when he's on the court that is special to watch because last night was different. Now it's time to just really focus in on uh, what the goal is, and that's to be in that winner's circle um, in the next two months or so and keep playing until June. Brian Windhorst with us now, as uh, promised, hours ago. Uh, Right yeah. on time. Wendy, good, good morning. Sir. Good morning. What's up, Wendy? How's it going? <laughs> Wendy's like, look, if you're going to give me that, that's what you're going to get back. Exactly. <laughs> Wendy, so uh, we got into this really big conversation a couple of days ago about whether the head coaching job of the Lakers was a good job. Max and Key said it was a good job because they're the Lakers. And they're one of the top franchises in the entire world of sports. I said due to the current climate and the culture of the front office and everything that's swirling around there, that right now it's a bad job. Where do you stand? So, Jay, since I've been covering the NBA, which is now 20 years, I have never seen an exhaustion of people who want to go to L.A. They want to go to L.A. when they're bad. They want to go to L.A. when they're good. Everybody believes they could make it happen in L.A. They want to go. I mean, we saw Stephen A. Smith talking, maybe half joking. He was saying that he would love to go uh, be, the, be the GM of the Lakers, but they couldn't afford him. You know what? They can't afford him, but I'll bet if they offered it to him, he'd take it, even if it was a take <laughs> because people have a desire to be in L.A. So, you know, it's interesting that you say that because I've been debating this with people in the last couple of weeks, too. Is it a good job or not? 
Um, some would say it's a it's a bad job because one of the toughest things to do in sports is to handle an aging superstar. Um, you see what Russell Westbrook was talking about coming out of uh, the end of the season, that exit interview, where he basically quadrupled down on the way he wants to play would be very concerning for a coach unless you knew for sure he was going to be out of there, which I don't know if you can say. But there's another way to look at it, which is that the expectations would be pretty low right now, and the upside would be pretty high. And, you know, if you look at Frank Vogel, Frank Vogel was their third choice, at least third choice to be head coach. The day he was announced as coach was the day that Magic Johnson came on to first take and nuked the Lakers and Rob Palenka, and he had to sit there at his introductory press conference and watch Rob take that incoming fire. And a year later, he had a ring on his finger. And so, uh, yeah, I, I think it's far from ideal, but I think there'll be people crawling over each other trying to get it. Brian, Who's the early favorite right now to take over this so-called bad job that Jay continues to throw out there? <laughs> Gee, I don't know who the favorite is. I, I mean, I know. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. Juwan Howard, Juwan Howard's name has been in conversations for months. I think I probably heard it in January for the first time. So. It wouldn't stun me if he gets an interview because of his connection to Rob Palenka and even LeBron from his time in Miami. Um, the other rumors are about guys who are who are under contract other places. And whenever you're talking about a, a guy under contract somewhere else, it's really hard to have a serious conversation about that. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I, a guy that I think that they should absolutely talk to, I'm not sure he's you know, he was, would be the type of guy that could get it would be Steve Clifford, who I think is the type of tactician that would instantaneously get respect from a guy like LeBron James. But um, I'm sure they're going to hunt for big names, and I think it's going to be very hard to know the field until we get a month from now and we see how other situations play out. You know, uh, you could, people could say all they want. Well, everyone wants to be in L.A., play in L.A., but people forget until Jeannie really took control of that team and inserted Magic Johnson, they couldn't give away their money. No one would take the money, and now they have LeBron freaking James. I think we're taking that for granted. That's a very big deal. Wendy, what is the latest on when we could see Ben Simmons for the Nets? I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to give you the update, but before I tell it to you, I, my jaw is kind of is wide open on this. I was surprised over the weekend when Woj said that there was optimism he could play in the first round. And now I am being told that they are looking at games four, five, six. I mean, I guess another way you could frame it is he could pl- I am told he could play as soon as game four. And when I was told that, my first reaction was, is he even playing five on five yet? Uh, and I was told, no, the answer is no, he's not. But the ramp up is expected by the end of the week. And if there's no setbacks, that's going to be happening very soon. And, you know, I just I can't believe that that would happen. But Steve Nash is on the record. I believe Sean Marks, too. I know for sure Steve Nash is saying that uh, they would bring him back in a playoff situation for the first time ever, that, that they're not afraid of that. Um, you know, but after really hearing nothing but pessimism 
on Ben playing for the last, I would say, almost two months. Basically, within a week after the trade, I heard nothing but pessimism. That has completely pivoted in the last few days, where there is now, I would go so far as to say optimism, he's going to play in this series. How much is he going to play? What kind of role? I don't think anybody knows that yet, but that's what I'm here to report. Wendy, I I don't understand, because why would you bring a guy back in the middle of a playoff series for his first time ever playing with teammates? It's completely disruptive to the way Kyrie, KD, everybody has to adjust to this new style, and all the eyeballs will be on Ben about will he be in attack mode, what will be his mental state of mind. I'm not one that subscribes to this whole notion that, oh, Ben Simmons comes back, now all of a sudden they're going to win a championship. How do you think he changes this series if he does come back, for good or for worse? Yeah, Jay, look, I I mean, I think on one hand the Nets could say, well, listen, we've had nothing but – radical change in drama all year long so throw another log on the fire i think that's possible um you know this series is going to be a brutally difficult to win and so i think it leaves the door open for options uh you know i was just on get up with tim legler and he wondered if uh philadelphia being in the other side of the bracket impacted this this thought process, I can't answer that, but the fact that he wondered that, I think he's not alone in saying that. I would just say this. The Nets, the reason that I've been pessimistic about the Nets getting to the finals for a while now is just they don't defend. They, they play breathtaking offense, and they don't defend. They're a bottom 10 defense. Uh, the other night against the Cavs, Kyrie Irving had as hot of a game as you'll ever see. He goes 12 of 12 shooting. They get tremendous and unexpected interior defense. I think Nick Claxton had like five or six blocks in that game. Uh, Durant is, I, I think, the, between Durant and Kyrie, they missed maybe one shot in the entire first half. And there's three minutes left in the game, and it's a six-point game. That's because they can't get stops. So if you tell me that, that Ben Simmons can give them ten minutes and build in a buffer of maybe a few dozen possessions of improved defense, that could turn things for them. Whether he can do that, whether or not they wouldn't just hack a Ben and put him on the line, because that's something that I think would prevent him from playing late in games right now until he proved he could do it, and that would be a tough position to put him in. I mean, that's the first thing I think the Celtics would do, you know, as soon as they saw Ben Simmons active, is to get their hack a Ben strategy ready. But, I mean, I can't deny that that difference, that injection of defensive playmaking could be a difference maker. Brian Windhorst joining us this morning on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Speaking of the play-in, playoffs, whatever you want to call it, C.J. McCollum and, and Brandon Ingram have become this magical duo for the New Orleans Pelicans. Could they be better off with just those two and moving on from Zion? No way, man. <laughs> I would not. Look, I know that Zion and the relationship with the team is – gone ice cold and, and, and red hot at times, uh, I would absolutely not move on from that guy. He, he's a guy who averaged 27 points and 61% shooting last year. That is Shaquille O'Neal level type stuff, okay? And not only that, but they have the Lakers pick. They have the, the Lakers pick right now is eighth. The only way they don't get it is if it falls to 11th, which would mean that um, – if they miss the playoffs, that their pick jumped ahead of it. I mean, there's even scenarios where they could end up with two top four picks um, because they've got their pick. It doesn't um, go if it's inside the top five. 
So they have, um, not only do they have a, a, a very interesting young core, they have a, a very promising coach in Willie Green. They have the Lakers draft pick that they're going to get a top 10 pick out of, and that pick could even jump up. The, you know, when they moved up to win the lottery, they were, I believe, in the same spot that, that the Lakers were um, in, in, I think, the eighth pick. Uh, they could end up with the top three or four pick in this draft with the with the Lakers selection. So they have the draft assets. They have the young players. You add Zion. They're very upwardly mobile. I would not – I would – I mean, they're starting Jackson Hayes at power forward right now. With all due respect to Jackson Hayes, he is a replacement-level player. You, you put Zion Williamson, an all-NBA player, in there, you're talking about a team that, you know, if they stay healthy, could be top four in the West next year. So, Wendy, it's without question. You pay him that max rookie extension. Well – Jay, I would I would want to negotiate <laughs> some protections, <laughs> yeah, kind of like exactly. Andrew Bynum uh, and, and Joel Embiid. So the question is, would Zion entertain that? And that is going to be interesting. But ultimately, at the end of the day, if the Pelicans want to, they control this game. And no matter what anybody has said, over the decades now, no player has has been able to turn down that max and – even if it's not fully guaranteed, and especially with a guy like Zion who has had injury histories, turning down a hundred some million—that's very, very powerful. Wendy, you need to uh, settle a, a debate for us, unless you agree with Jay, and then we're just going to keep debating. But so I'm not asking what it is technically. I'm saying logically, by your own logic, what should it be? Okay, ready? Play-in games. Okay. Are they playoff games or not? I mean, they're played like playoff games. If you, if you watched the game last night and saw the crowd and the intensity of that game, tell me it's not a playoff game. You watch, It's after the regular uh, season, don't, Wendy. Don't inter- they're still playing. Stop, stop. Don't interject him. Let him finish his point. Go ahead, Wendy. You got it. I mean, are we... I mean, were we talking about from a statistical record standpoint? Well, or should we talking it be? About yeah, should they? Standpoint? Yeah, should they be playoff games? Regular season's over. You're playing in the postseason. They call it a play-in. But should if you score 50 points, is that a playoff game or is it a or is it in some weird purgatory play-in land? Okay, again, I'm going to sound like a lawyer here because part of the reason they don't call it a playoff game is for contractual purposes because there's guys who have various bonuses for making the playoffs and so the owners oh. didn't want to give it until they knew they were going to have oh. at least a couple of home playoff games. That makes oh. sense why they're feeding oh. us a bunch of you-know-what here. But no wonder. So, look, get- so, so you're saying from a logic standpoint, yeah. I defy you to watch, to, to have been in the Target Center the other night in Minnesota and tell those fans and those players that wasn't a playoff game. Thank you. And the same thank in you. New Orleans last night. But they're not. But and, from a, from, you, from a contractual standpoint, thank it's you. not. Okay, Key, well, you talk about the money, and, Key, the contractual they, standpoint, and it's they, not. And they still get paid not. to right. play. Hey, Key, so basically the owners are trying to keep some bonus money. And so now Jay thinks he won the they argument. They actually don't get paid for that game. They <gasps> don't get paid, as far as I know. <laughs> they play for free. Well, no, I think they, no, Evan said they get shimmy, paid. Shimmy, shimmy, no, they don't. Wendy said it. No, they Since don't. You losers. <laughs> losers. <laughs> They're playoff games. Thank you. Wendy said it. We, Wendy told us he believes right. it's a playoff right, game. Thank you, Wendy. Right. Yep, he did say Take it. Take care, L-O-S-E-R-S. Losers. Clayton Kershaw was perfect. And then Dave Roberts yanked him.
That's what? next. Keyshawn, J. Willemax, ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. I felt it was a win to get them built up to 5 and 75. But when you're talking about uh, being up and down seven times, um, that's something. But at the end of the day, those are those are individual things. Those are those are selfish goals, and we're trying to win. Keyshawn, Jay Willemax, ESPN Radio Series XM Channel 80, and your smart speaker. So it's 1981. An eight-year-old boy named Max Kellerman was uh, reading the sporting news, <laughs> and in the sporting news was this article on something they were calling linear weights. A guy named Bill James, who no one knew back then, had come up with this system called linear weights. Hey, even though so-and-so led the league in batting this year, actually Mike Schmidt was a better player because he hit this many triples and walked this much and didn't use this many outs, etc. You plug in all the numbers according to the magazine. It was either Sports Illustrated or Sporting News Key. I forgot which. But I remember a cartoon in that article. Key, it was a cartoon of Fernando Valenzuela, right? Because he was a rookie in 81. He set the league on fire, that guy. And the cartoon was captioned. You see the, the, the manager taking the ball from Fernando, and it was captioned, I know you got the first 26 outs, Fernando, but the computer says, I got to take you out. Ha, ha, ha. Look at how the computer nerds are trying to take over baseball. This is 1981. That basically happened yesterday. Another Dodger left the ace, Clayton Kershaw. Seven perfect innings with 13 Ks on only 80 pitches. Jeff Passan, ESPN senior MLB insider. I guess the computer said they had to take him out, Jeff. Max, this was not one of the computer-generated yanks. This was not Blake Snell. This was not something else. And listen, I was as aggrieved as anyone when it was happening yesterday. But uh, the more I talked with people in the game, the more I talked with people who know Clayton Kershaw, I spoke... You know, I called Ross Stripling. I don't know if you remember Ross Stripling in his major league debut with the Dodgers through seven and a third, no hit innings, and got yanked by Dave Roberts because he was at his hundredth pitch. And I immediately after Kershaw got pulled, called him, and he said he's very close with Clayton and said, look at his face. He's smiling. He's laughing. He's okay with this. And, and when Clayton Kershaw 
said after the game it was the right move, I understand. Um, I was a little more okay with it if the player is on board. The one problem I have, Max, is this. It's the idea that by pulling Clayton Kershaw after 80 pitches in his first start of the year, that is going to guarantee or going to clearly keep him healthy or healthier for the rest of the season. Um, If we know anything about the arm, it's that we don't know anything about the arm. And the notion that throughout all these years, Max, of decision-making when it comes to try and keep pitchers healthy, that they still can't do it, that suddenly they absolutely know the right thing to do and that right thing is having pitchers pitch less, I just don't buy the idea and wish that baseball would be less regressive when it comes to this sort of thing. Okay, could, hey, real quick, you, real quick, Key, what's the problem with just going in like batter for batter after eighty pitches? I get, I get all the reasons why you know. Oh, he sat down, he got cold, I, whatever. Go batter you. at a time, man. What's so hard about that? Uh, listen, I'm I'm with you a hundred percent. If the stuff looks like it's down, yank him. If he gives up a hit, a walk, there's an error. Yank him. Like, there are plenty of reasons to go out and at least try. Like, at least try. I just don't, you know, the the issue with Clayton Kershaw here is that uh, his elbow and and his forearm were in rough shape last season. Uh, this, yes. this is a guy who's who's thrown a lot of innings in his career and doesn't want in that first game to do anything that can put him at risk. But I just don't think it's a binary situation. I think, you know, if he's at 100 pitches and and we're looking for two more innings, yeah, like I get it even more under those circumstances. But you're right. A couple more pitches, go at a time, see how he's feeling. Yeah, by all means. That's not an unreasonable thing to consider. I couldn't disagree with you two more in – Look, we're trying to win the whole thing, and we need him to stay healthy. You mentioned his arm, Jeff. He started the day off thinking he was going five. He got an extra two. We're happy with that. We don't need to be chasing history. We don't need to be chasing that because it does nothing for us long term. It's an individual accomplishment, and Kershaw doesn't care about individual accomplishments at this stage of the game for him. You know, Jeff, uh, talking to Jeff Passan, ESPN senior MLB insider. Uh, there have a lot, been a lot of great hitters that I've seen in my life. I'm, I'm 48 years old. In terms of the act of swinging the bat, like once the bat left the shoulder, not as an overall offensive player, just once the in the act of swinging, Vladimir Guerrero was the best right-handed hitter I have ever seen. His son looks like as good as him. What was the most impressive thing to you? about Junior's three-home run game against my beloved Yankees last night? First off, I think his son has a better swing than Dad, which is kind of a crazy thing to say, and I'm not being prisoner of the moment here. I just think it's better. I think he is a better pure hitter than his dad was because he has the one element, Max, that his dad didn't, which is patience at the plate. Like, he's got an eye. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. made a career of swinging at pitches – anywhere and everywhere in the strike zone. Junior controls the strike zone, which allows him to go out and attack pitches. And to me, the the one that was best, like all of them were good, but I'm sorry, taking a taking a 99-mile-per-hour Garrett Cole fastball on the fists and yanking it out 
is an absurd piece of hitting Crazy. and something that a handful if that, of players in Major League Baseball right now could do. Or any, ever, he he drew in his hands against a pitch coming in like 100 miles an hour. He should not have yep. been able to hit a home run on that pitch. He pulled it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's which is, which is just pure strength and skill. Like, the combination of those two things, of having the bat-to-ball capability to move your bat so that you can get it, and then having the raw strength to go and take that out it's incredible it is incredible there's no doubt about it and probably i imagine like i'm trying to think of a father-son combo usually when you have the superstar father the son like a star father bobby bonds was an excellent player ken griffey but then their kids barry they can surpass the father but like to have a bar set at vladimir guerrero and maybe the son's even (laughs) better like that's never happened in sports history has it i can't think of it ever happening like that it's crazy i mean a, I believe Vladdy was a first ballot Hall of Famer. I believe he was first ballot. Oh, if not, he was one of the first couple. And uh, to have a son, listen, Junior Max is 23. So I'm not going to get carried away and, you know, go and write his plaque quite yet. But he has the skill, he has the talent. Like, just the, the juniors in baseball right now are absolutely incredible. You got Vlad. You got Fernando Tatis Jr. You got Ronald Acuna Jr. I know Bobby Witt Jr. is not on that level yet, but there's a pretty good chance he's going to be there. And the second-generation talent goes beyond that with, with Bo Bichette and, and plenty of others. Uh, I mean, it, I just love watching baseball these days, guys, because – the individual players to me are better than just about at any time we've had throughout history. And seeing days like yesterday where Guerrero goes and hits three tanks at Yankee Stadium, uh, where Kershaw, for, for whatever your, cho- you know, your thoughts on the decision, threw seven perfect innings with 13 punch-outs, there's just great stuff going on right now early in the season. and it's a, I'm so glad baseball is back and the lockout is over. Yeah, 100%. This is, we should not take this for granted. Jeff Passon, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks, Jeff. A former right, Jeff. number one pick. Key. A former number one pick that's available. Who's going to go after him? That's next I'm on ESPN available. Radio. <laughs> Are you not? That's next on ESPN Radio and ESPN app. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. 
Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max Podcast. So, Kia, you've been having an issue with your car key uh, recently, a little birdie told me. Yeah, man, it, it's crazy, Max. You know, I, you have a Tesla, I have a Tesla, but, I, you know, you get the key card, like a credit card is really the key. You wave it up against the camera, open up the door, blah, blah, blah. That's what it does. My wife has the key card programmed in her wallet on her phone. I, she programmed everything when the card came in, but she put it in her phone, not in my phone, and I just, lazy dog that I am, I didn't do it. I just don't, it doesn't matter to me. But the problem is, is whenever you walk past the car with your phone, it automatically locks all the doors, right? Yeah. And so when I'm parked in the garage and she's coming from somewhere, she walks past the car, it locks the door. And I naturally leave the key card inside the vehicle because I just don't, what am I going to take the key? Nobody, what am I doing? Taking the keys out of my car inside my garage? Like, I'm not going to do that. Right. And so when I get up to go, for instance, get upstairs, I'm in the bathroom, bedroom, do what I need to do. I come downstairs to get in my car to come to work. All the, the way back upstairs, locked. middle of the go night. All the way, gotta be careful, gotta be quiet, can't oh, wake up the kids. Man, it's oh. the worst freaking thing ever. But you could probably or, program that different, though. No, I gotta put it in my phone. So put it, hold on. It all you gotta phone. do is download the Tesla app to your own I, phone. I, I'll, I'll get there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I'm, like you. I'm like you. I'm like you. That's the whole there, thing. But the yeah. problem is, that's not the only caveat. I forgot to tell you another story. Huh. I was meeting her one day in out to get something to eat, and she parked by my car, and I leave my car door open. Mm-hmm. She locked it. The key is inside the car. She <laughs> locks it. I go back to to the to the restaurant to sit down and finish chopping it up. I go back to the damn car. The door is locked. I can't get inside the car. <laughs> I it took me about forty five minutes to call her to get her to unlock the car on her phone, and I'm standing out in a hundred degree weather. <laughs> like a jerk. <laughs> I was so mad, man. I was, and I and I keep telling her. Take it off your phone. Wait, no, but I Key, honestly, like but for real, you just got to da- – downloading the app, I know it's a pain in the – you know, it's going to take five solid minutes. You got to download the app and just hook it all up. Be done with it, man. Just got to yeah, do it. I know, I know. I don't it's want like, all those apps on my phone. I know. You need to take the afternoon apps. off to get your mind around how to do all that, but, like, still, you got to do the it. App, the, the apps on my phone are only the ones that come with the phone. I got all the that? kids' apps on the phone and nah, stuff. Oh, got mom can fairy do tale apps and all types of stuff. They're putting makeup on, on, on my phone princesses and, and stuff. Ugh. Nope. They go through the phone and get the pushing stuff. My young one and they'll get the erasing stuff. Nope. Oh, yeah. Chance. Yeah, I got all types of stuff where it doesn't belong. Apps upside down. I don't know. Barton Hahn, we're talking about two-on-two basketball. In fourth grade, I was most improved player on my CYO team. Oh, sure, my dad was the coach, but that doesn't matter. I earned that. And you're just going to look at me and go, John Conkak, is that the best you got? I'm not worried about Alan Hahn. I am going to enjoy watching you punish Bart Scott. The only thing I worry about is getting hit with an elbow in the face because he's out of control. If somebody hits your face, oh, Lord. Exactly. This face right here. Boy. What should we talk about at, in this segment? What should we talk about? Well, every day you get to vote. Choose your own adventure. You produce the show. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. At KeyJ and Max, you voted. Um, 10% of you want us to talk about most improved player. I guess that would be Alan Hahn in the fourth grade. <laughs> His dad may have been the coach, but he earned it. Just ask He him. earned it. 23%. 
are perfect games a thing of the past? Almost 29%. Is it playoffs or play in? I think we've all decided it's playoffs, right, Jay? And at <laughs> no. over 38%, it's Baker Mayfield. Oh, 38% is Baker Mayfield's future. So, guys, we are talking about Baker Mayfield's future. Um, here is Baker Mayfield on the You Never Know podcast on whether or not he felt disrespected by the Cleveland Browns. I feel disrespected, 100%, mm-hmm. because I was told one thing and they completely did another. When I wasn't performing on the field, that's when it really started going downhill. Then when it started hindering my play, and that's when I started losing my own self-confidence and just losing myself. This past year was rough. I would love to show up to somebody's cubicle and just boo the <laughs> out of them. <laughs> yeah. and, see, and watch watch them crumble. Do you have any idea where you're going to land? Oh, man. This would have been about a week and a half ago, I would have said Indianapolis. Um Seattle, I mean, it'd probably be the most likely option. Mm-hmm. But even then, I, I just, I'm ready for the next chapter. I always laugh at the cubicle when I hear it. But Seattle is right. That's the best fit, in my opinion, for Baker Mayfield. Now, here's what I'm going to say, and I always do this, Max and Jay, and y'all know this. I, I look at the beginning of one's career, not the end or the middle of their successful careers. I look at Russell Wilson's beginning of his career in Seattle. This is a perfect situation. They're retooling the defense. They got a nice nucleus of weapons in Tyler Lockett along with DK Metcalf. So you know you got some vertical stretch game there for him. You know, they got a tied in and Noah Fant that came over in the trade from Denver with Russell in the Russell Wilson trade. So you got some pieces there for him. He's better than Drew Locke, let's face it. And it's just a Pete Carroll. Now you say, well, what about the locker room key? Oh, people are gonna think this way about it. Pete Carroll can handle that. He's always been able to manage personalities in Seattle. Plus, I think people would like Baker Mayfield because he is a fighter. And Seattle's just the perfect situation. They just got to figure out the money. It, it, you know, am I? No, I don't want to pay Baker Mayfield nineteen million dollars. Why would I pay him nineteen when I can get him for eight? You know, and and so they've got to figure Seems that to part me, out. Key, that the higher the draft pick they're willing to part with, the less money they'll spend. Right. That's going to be the – isn't that going to be it? Like, hey, we'll, if you if, – okay, look, if we give you a fourth, we'll take on $10 million of it. If we give you a third, we only want $8 million or something like that, right? Isn't that going to be it more or less? Yeah, but, but, but uh, Jay, they, the Cleveland Browns should shave – hell, you done already spent $230 million mm-hmm. on, on Deshaun. You might as well just shave off another $8 million and keep it in your pocket and get Seattle to give him – the 10, so he gets his full 18, and we're done with it. You already paid 230? What's another 19 million damn dollars to get rid of a problem? So, Key, I agree with you on this. I, I guess my hesitation around Seattle is Pete Carroll is the oldest coach in the NFL. And I really have commended him lately for some of the things he's spoken out on as it relates to, you know, black assistance, things of that sort, giving head coaches the right opportunity, speaking up against the owners. But, like, do you want to inherit this kind of – headache is the wrong word. It just comes with a lot for Baker. Right? Like, if, you're, if, if you have good chemistry with Drew Locke and you think he is the guy, I'm not saying he we is. We know Pete. Drew Locke's not the guy. But is Baker and Mayfield the guy? And you ain't got no chemistry with Drew Locke because Drew Locke just got there three Baker, weeks ago. But is Baker Mayfield the guy? Well, n- not to the Baker point. Baker Mayfield better than Drew Locke. He, yeah. Here's the thing I, I disagree with you about, Key. I think that you don't have to pay any money. For like this is like the Godfather Part Two. I'll tell you my offer now, Senator. Nothing. 
Not even the fee for the gaming license, which I would appreciate if you put up personally, right? Like fee to who though? I, I think that Seattle can look at the Cleveland Browns and be like, you can't keep that dude in your locker room. Ain't no one else going to trade for him. We're just going to wait for you to cut him, and then you're going to pay all the salary. So then it becomes a thing. If you want a draft pick from us, um, and, and you know, then you're going to have to, like, uh, how, in order to avoid maybe him hitting the open market and being signed as a backup somewhere else, if I'm giving you a draft pick, maybe I'll spend two million on him. You're gonna have to like. I think Cleveland's gonna have to eat a whole lot of that contract. So you want to give, you want to push everything to Cleveland, yeah. and make them swallow the pill. Yep. But Cleveland is saying I want something in return back for it. Yeah. I, I they're gonna have to get something because otherwise, get, yeah. yeah. Otherwise, he he'll just they'll send him somewhere for a six round pick. Since you want to play hardball. Yeah, I guess, but if they do that, they're still going to have to pay all the money. That's right. That like it's not like they have zero leverage, they have very little, but something tells me a fourth rounder and a couple million and then Cleveland pays a couple million. You know million, who would take know, him? Or, or Cleveland it's going to shock you what who? I'm about to say, Evan. I wouldn't be shocked if Jerry Jones got in this late. Ah, oh, backup. He'd be a good backup for Dallas. Exactly. Well, we're talking about as a backup. I mean, that changes a lot of stuff. Well, I thought we were talking yeah, but about only place starter. he can start right now is Seattle. Seattle. There's no other spots. If I was Carolina Baker, I would doesn't want him. Cowboys. Yeah. I would go to Tampa Bay. Good too, idea. He's you know, Jerry like names. ESPN Radio. Guess who's coming up next? Greeny is next. We're back 6 a.m. tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Matt's The Podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.